Are you ready? Are you ready for the word? I am. And so I'm going to have to talk fast because I talked too much earlier, but that's okay. That's fun stuff. Amen? Amen. Uh, we are going to be in a series for a couple of weeks that I, I am excited to get to teach. Uh, and we're talking about relationships and a lot of different aspects, not just, we're not just talking about marriage, don't worry about it, we're talking about a lot of different aspects of it. How many of you know good relationships take work? Oh, God. Y'all been way too quiet all morning. All right, so, so I need, how many of you know good, healthy relationships do not happen by accident? That's right. That's right. You have to be intentional about it. And it seems that um, since really I, COVID was a big hit on relationships. Uh, y'all, y'all closed in the house way too long. Uh, and uh, there, were, there were other things that have come out of that isolation, fear, financial stuff. All of those things play on relationships. Am I right? Yeah. I, like I said, not just marriage relationships, but all kinds of relationships. Relationships in our culture, godly relationships for sure, have a big target on their back. Let me say that again. <laughs> Relationships, especially godly relationships in our culture, have a big target on their back. Yeah, that's better. I got to know you're out there. Uh, all right. Um, and, and I will say, just so you know, that we, there's some um, uh, air conditioning issues we're dealing with. It's a rough time, I know. So if you're freezing in the back, move to the front because it's not freezing up here. All right. All right. So uh, anyway, relationships take work and and many relationships are in trouble they are friend relationships relationships with kids marriage relationships that are in trouble so we are actually calling this series er everybody say er yeah, because there are some relationships many relationships that are at a critical state and need an ER, right? I, I mean, it ha- it's happening all around us. But we're not going to focus on the fact that it needs an emergency room. We're actually going to really shoot high. And through this series, if you will walk with me, I believe God can put you on a path of extraordinary relationships is anybody in the room believe that is possible (laughs) yeah to live with extraordinary relationships extraordinary relationships Um, and, and and I just I know that's what God wants the problem is in church we'll go yeah You can do that for them, (laughs) 
but I don't know if you'll do that for me. Most of us settle for okay relationships. If it's just okay, if we're not fighting, if it's just calm in the house, that's a win. Anybody? Right? I, I, I mean, it's just true. And we settle for that. The problem with that is when we settle and the bar is really low, there's no room for hiccups or margins. Right? When things are extraordinary <laughs> and there's an issue, you'll roll right through it. When you're okay, the line to not okay is really, really close. Anybody hearing me? Anybody ever been there? I don't want to know if you are there, all right? Don't punch anybody today, all right? Um, but it's, it's, it's true. It, it really is. I believe God wants us as children of God to live in extraordinary. That's above ordinary. That's like way, way, way above what is ordinary. What is normal. You know, I believe he wants, and here's why. We talked about this a few weeks back. The reason he wants our relationships to be extraordinary, like, oh my goodness, kind of, with friends and kids and marriages, is because when we live that way, we're showing a lost world an extraordinary God. Amen. Oh, come on. Right? We're showing a lost world this extraordinary God. So, you're going to have to help me. You guys stay with me because we can't find the remote. All right? So, I want you to uh, write this down. The, the problem is ordinary is not working. Are you all hearing me? Do you agree with that? Yes. Ordinary is not working, so we're going to shoot for what? For Some of you can't even say it. For what? <laughs> extraordinary. Way above what is ordinary. Um, and, and ordinary has not worked for a lot of years. Y'all know that, right? Matter of fact, that's why in Romans it's written this. We're going to read it in two different translations. All right? Uh, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Oh, come on, somebody besides Sam. Ah, yeah, yeah. Transformed by the renewing of your, what? That you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Mm. How many of you know that's good stuff? Right? Well, let's read that in the message. And in the message, this is a paraphrase. This is Peterson's idea. All right? So, but I want you to, I love the way he describes this. He says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your, everybody say, everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around, what? Life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing. 
All right? You can, the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so what? Well adjusted to the culture that you fit in without even thinking. Somebody say, yeah. That's right. Instead, fix your attention on God. And what's he going to do? You'll be changed from the inside out. Huh. See, the problem with most relationships is we want God to fix it from the outside. <laughs> God, if she would then I could. Come on, somebody. God, if he wasn't so, then I would be. Oh, y'all way too quiet. We're not going to be churchy, right? Right? God, if you would fix the situation, if he wasn't so, <laughs> come on, come on, then I could be, but God's like, no, 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 no. And this whole series is, look at somebody and go, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. God's like, nope. The way I work is let's talk about you first. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about you first. Let me change you from the inside what? Out. Transform you. Readily recognize what God wants to do and quickly respond to it. Next one. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the what? Best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Amen? So... Just like, well, write this down. I, I got to stay on track. Man, I could so, there's so many things today I'm going to give you that I'm like, ah. But I got, I got time later. We'll dig into it. All right? Write this down. We don't have relation problems. We have heart problems. We don't have relationship problems. We have what? Heart problems. How many of you know in the physical, when your heart is struggling, it affects every other part of your body? Am I right? It affects every part of your body. You may have other issues. There may be other symptoms. But the important thing is your heart got to get healthy before the rest of the body ever going to be healthy. Oh, right? And it's the same for us. That's why in, in Proverbs it actually says this. It says, above all else, everybody say it, guard your, your heart. For everything you do does what? Flows from it. Everything else flows from it. Guard your what? Your heart. It's a heart thing. Jesus really nailed this 
when, he, when, when they, were, they were asking him questions, trying to trap him. And, uh, and he says things like, even in, in some of his teachings, he says things like, um, the law said, don't commit adultery. But, but here's the thing. That's an outside thing. Come on. Don't physically commit adultery. That's outside. And, and Jesus took it inside. And he said, if you even look at a woman and want to commit adultery, lust after her, in your, everybody say, heart, you've already done it. Oh, right? Right? He took it from the outside and put it inside. He made it a heart issue. And when they were trying to trap Jesus and, and, and they were asking him questions in Matthew um, 19, um, they were trying to trap him about divorce. Is divorce okay? You know, Moses said it was okay. What about that? Look what Jesus said. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your, uh-oh, what? <laughs> I love it. He didn't stop there. He said, it was not what God had originally intended. Are y'all hearing me? He's like, yeah, there's room for divorce. But the real problem is not her and not him. The real problem is your hard heart. Oh, come on. Aren't y'all glad I preach like wimpy stuff? It doesn't affect anybody, you know. <laughs> He's like, no, no. When you want to kick her out, kick him out, man, you need to look at your heart first. Look at your heart. Is it a heart problem? There's a, a beautiful picture of this. And, and I wish I had time. Are y'all ready to dump off, jump off in the deep end for a minute? Are you ready? Y'all can handle it. Students, you can handle it. I know your brains, first week of school. I know, I know, all right? But, but this is important. Um, there's a story in, in Genesis, um, or actually in Exodus. We're going to get to Genesis in a minute that I wish I had time to dig it all out. And there are people in the room that know so much more about this than me, and I get it. I am touching on one verse of a really, really deep dive, okay? I don't have time to dig into all of it. But, but it's a very interesting verse. And, and, and let's go there. Um, in Exodus, it says, Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the what? Everybody say names. names. Names of the sons of Israel over his heart. Okay, what was on his heart? Oh, come on. What? This is an open book test. It says it right there. All right. What was on his heart? Names of the sons of Israel. All right. On, where were they? They were placed over his heart, but they were on what was called, 
Everybody say it. The breastplate uh, or breastpiece of decision. Hmm. As a continuing memorial before the Lord. Like I said, this is one little piece of a really big thing. But over the priest hearts, when they would go into the holy place, there were written names on the breast piece or breast plate of decision. And we're going to dig this out a little bit because this is key to extraordinary relationships. When he would go in to be with God, there were names written on the breast piece of decision that was on his what? Was on his heart. Hmm. I, I think the same applies for us. You're like, no, that was the priest. How many of you know, we have a whole kingdom of priests today. Come on, right? I, I, I mean, so, so here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You have names written on your heart that affect your decisions. Let that soak in. We all have names written on our heart that become the filter or the lens for all of our decisions because it's out of the heart that flows all the other parts of our life. Are y'all with me? We read that. We read that. So I have names on my breast piece of decision. And I look through those lenses, those names, as I make decisions. Some of us make decisions and go, why did I do that again? Anybody ever been there besides me? Why did I do that again? Because... There's probably something written on my heart that I'm filtering things through. I'm seeing things through that affect the way I make decisions. Are y'all with me so far? Are you? All right. This is so critical that we understand this. And, and, and we filter it. It becomes the wellspring of our lives where all this other stuff comes through it's filtered through what's written on our hearts and many times let's go to the next slide many times those names are written through our pain our past our problems and people write that down because that's so important here's the thing some of those names written on your heart from pain <laughs> are actually not bad. They were good things that were written in the middle of the pain. Anybody in the room? Right? Right? Come on. Right? 
It's not always that it was bad names, but there are names that get written in our past that some of those are good, some of those are bad. Are y'all hearing me? Some of those are good, godly names. Some of those are destructive names that are written on our heart that we make decisions through that lens. Are y'all still with me? All right? This is key. It happens through pain. Things are written. Past. Things are written. Problems. Things are written. Good things. Bad things. Destructive things. And how many of you know the best and the hardest part of this life have people connected to it? Come on, right? Right? It is absolutely true. The good things. And we make decisions through those names. Those names help filter, and many of us make decisions about God, make decisions about other people, as they are filtered through those past things, those painful things, those, it just happens through that person said that. And, and so write this down, the, the first real step to an extraordinary relationship is to recognize what is written on my heart that God did not say or God did not put there. I'm going to say that again. Because until you get this part, you'll never live extraordinary. You'll live ordinary. It'll just be ordinary. You're going to make it. You're going to even make it to heaven by the skin of your teeth, you know. You're just going to do it. But if you want to live extraordinary, we have to be willing to say, God, what's been written on my heart? What filter do I see through? What names that were put there through pain and all those other things that don't belong? Those things that you didn't put there? Because here's the thing. We talked about this last year. Um, here's the thing. That if God didn't put them there, if God didn't intentionally want it that way, it's probably a lie from the enemy. Amen. It's probably a lie. And you filter everything through that lie. You filter things through the names that are written on your heart. And for me, I've shared this a little bit with you guys before. But for me, this is how that played out. In the fourth grade, you guys know, I, I still struggle with dyslexia, and it's not a struggle, it's actually a blessing, that's a whole nother conversation, but, but I, I struggle reading sometimes, and, and, uh, and, and it was really, really bad when I was young, uh, and, and I couldn't read. And in the fourth grade, the teacher asked me to stand up and read to the class. And I stumbled and fell over every word. I, the word and was difficult that day. And I stumbled and fell and, and somebody in the class, don't know who, snickered. Just laughed a little bit, just like, <laughs> like that. 
Finally, the teacher said, okay, Victor, you can sit down. In the fourth grade, that day, stupid was written on my heart. And it was in big, bold letters. You're not as good as everybody else. You're stupid. For the next six years, I lived that name. Everything I did, everything I tried, everything was filtered through you're stupid, you're below average. Every report card proved it. Every, I, I'm dumb. You're stupid. And every relationship, everything in life, even my relationship with God, suffered. I loved God. But I had an unhealthy view of God because of what was written on the breastplate of my heart. You're stupid. At 17 years old, God gave me a dream to build this trike, motorcycle trike thing. And, and I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I feel like God wants me to build this thing. And my dad didn't say, you can't do that, you're stupid. My dad looked at me and said, you can do it. You can do it. And if you need my help, I'll help you. And at 17 years old, something else started getting written on my heart. Stupid started getting replaced with I can do. Amen. I can build through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. I can read through Christ who gives me strength. I can create through Christ who gives me strength. I can, and this was a big one, I can date a beautiful girl through Christ who gives me strength. Because I hated me. And if I hated me, there ain't nobody going to love me. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And one challenge at a time, three and a half years of building and working, every time I'd run into something I couldn't do, I wasn't sure. It was like I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do. I can date a beautiful girl. I can marry that girl. I can build this thing. I can, through Christ who gives me strength, travel the nation and tell students about Jesus. And that picture right there is an I can do. I can do. And that was a picture of the beautiful girl I married and the mullet kid. 
leaving our house right up the street on Hickory to go tell the students of the nation about a Jesus that says, I can. I can. Through Christ, stuff started getting written that was godly over the breastplate. And my decisions were affected because the names changed. Amen. Are y'all hearing me? The names changed. So, so important. There's a really sad story in Genesis. And I want to read it to you. You're like, great, we'll get a sad one. Yeah. Um, this is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, which becomes Abraham. Most of us probably didn't even know who Abraham's father was. His name was Terah. Terah's family line is he had Abraham or Abram, Nahor, and Haran, three sons. And Haran became the father of Lot, if you read the story. While his father, Terah, was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. We don't know why. All we know is that Haran died prematurely because dad's still alive. He didn't die of old age. Either by accident or by disease, Terah loses his youngest son. Tragic. Heart breaking. Let's go to the next one. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughters-in-law Sarai, the wife of the son of Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to, everybody say that, Canaan. To go to what would become the promised land. Now I'm going to speculate for a minute. Don't come and correct me. I'm not going to listen. That's why I said, I, that's why I'm saying I'm speculating. I'm going to say it like this. What if, what if God put it in Terah's heart, Abraham's dad, what if God put it in Terah's heart to go to the promised land? We don't know for sure. All we know is his son died and he said, okay family, we're going to go to Canaan. We're going to go there. Later it becomes the promised land. All right, what if God's original design for the rest of the scripture, for it not to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what if it could have been the God of Terah and Abraham and Isaac? Just think it out loud. All right, this is where my brain goes. All right, all we know for sure is that Terah 
got his family together, and they were on their way to this lush land of Canaan. Am I right about that? All right? All right? But what if the promise or the, the desire to go there was first with Terah? But then look at this next verse. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. You're like, well, I thought Haran was the name of the son. It was the name of the son that died. So between where they were, Ur of the Chaldeans, and the promised land, there was a city named Haran. There was a city that had the same name as the son that had died. And it says, when they got there, he settled there. And Terah lived 205 years and he died in the place that was the same name as his son. I don't think that's a coincidence. <laughs> he got stuck. This is my opinion. Again, my opinion. He got stuck. In the place that reminded him of his son. And in his grief, he never made it to what would be the promised land. He set out for God's extraordinary. He set out for, for God's best. But when he got to the place where there was a wound written on his heart. He just got stuck there. And settled there. And never experienced the extraordinary. That's pretty sad. But it is so where so many of us are. We just get stuck with the okay. We get stuck with the wound, the thing that was written on our heart that did not belong there. <laughs> and you know what? The very next verse is where God tells Abraham, go on to the place that I'll show you. Amen. And it just happened to be the place that dad was going to take him. Very interesting. How many of you know names are important? Yes, yes. They're important. They really are. Matter of fact, I'm going to wrap it up with this. And we're going to look, you're like, well, there's a lot more to fill in. We're going to do it right quick, all right? Uh, names are important. And if you look in the book of Daniel, and I believe the enemy still, plan, his plan is still the same even today. That the enemy was going to root out God out of 
the nation of Israel. The enemy was going to eliminate God from the culture by targeting young, godly men. You read the book of Daniel. I don't have time to get into it, all right? But the enemy, that's actually the whole book of Daniel, targeted and took young men, Daniel being one of them, and, and took them in, changed their names, indoctrinated them with an ungodly culture, and their plan was to release them back into a godly culture, and a couple of generations, these men who had been name changed, identity changed, thinking changed, but were respected by their peers, and over time, they'll never have to fire a shot, they'll never have to kill anybody, they will root God out of the culture, and how do you know, that's what's happening today. Am I right? It's happening. It's happening. Hmm. And many of you know the names Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? You guys know those names? The whole fiery furnace and all of that. I want to show you how strategic the enemy is with what gets written on your heart to take you out. Because see, Daniel was his God-given name, and it meant God is my judge. But the enemy wrote on his heart, changed his name to Lady, protect the king. Lady, just protect the king. See, Daniel's name was, I only answer to God. And the enemy came and attacked him and said, no, you're not even a man, you're a lady. And your job is to protect a perverted, twisted king. That's who you are. You see, this was an attack. Go to the next slide. On Daniel's identity. Just like the attack is today. It was an attack on his sexual identity. It was an attack on his God-given name. No, I only look to God. No, you're, you're not even a guy. You're a lady. Just go protect the perversion. This next one, Hananiah, his name, that was his God-given name, and it was Yahweh has been gracious. Yahweh has been gracious. It's, but they changed his name to Shadrach, which means I'm, I'm afraid of God.
his name his whole life had been God is so gracious and so good to me and the enemy comes and tries to write on his heart no God's mean God's scary he doesn't care about you and that really was next slide that really was an attack on his spirituality it was an attack on how we view God and how many of you know that attack is happening right now it's an attack on how we view God he's not gracious he wants to squish you like a bug and then the next one we know him as Meshach but Michelle was his real name and it meant who is what God is and I love this because it's literally like every time somebody said his name they were saying you are what God is you are made in the image of God are y'all hearing me you are made in the image of God God you're 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 made like him but Meshach, the name that the enemy wrote on his heart or tried to write on his heart was, I am despised. Meshach, that's what it means. I'm despised. I'm contemptible. I'm humiliated. You're not like God. You got no good qualities like God. No, you are despised. Contemptible. <laughs> humiliated. It really was an attack on his emotions. It was an attack on his emotions. How he viewed himself. And the guy that we know as Abednego, his real name is Azariah. It meant Yahweh has helped. Every time they say they said his name they were like yeah you're the one that God helps out all the time you're the one that God helps out all the time and the enemy came and tried to write on his heart Abednego no 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 your new name is Abednego and it means servant of Nebo and I don't have time to dig that all out for you but Nebo was like this uh, perverted cultish God that 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 literally would would try to tell their future. And so instead of you are helped by God, no, your, your new name is you serve, you serve the God that perverts everybody's future. Y'all hear that? No, no, you're not, you're not the one that God helps, but no, you're the, you're the slave of the prophet of doom. That's who you really are. You're just the slave of the prophet of doom. And it really was a distorted purpose. Do y'all see that in just those four names? how the enemy attacked 
their identity, even their sexual identity, how the enemy attacked their view of God, how the enemy attacked their emotions, how the enemy attacked their purpose of who their, their future was really all about. And he did it by trying to write it on their hearts. I love that all through the scripture, God and Jesus even would, would come along. And when he called people to himself, he often changed their name. He changed my name from stupid to I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength right here in Mena, Arkansas. And you know what? Sometimes God does it through a prayer and it's a miraculous thing. Where he rewrites those, takes those lies, the deception off of your heart. And he erases it and puts a new name on there and it happens instantly. But my experience in my life was more like this. He, he rewrites that as I walk with him. Because he wants me walking with him. I believe the process starts in an instant. In an instant when my dad said, you can, it started the process. Come on. But as I walked with God, his names started being written on my heart. So here's the challenge, and I know we're out of time. I know I want you to take these home and just let the Lord do a work, all right? Let him, let him. Let the one who designed me define me. Let the one that designed me define me. And anything that doesn't line up with the names he puts is a lie. It's a lie. And then maybe when it comes to our view of God, maybe we need to start saying, no, you know what? He's not scary. God is for me, and his way is the right way. The way I see God is he is for me, and his way is right. And maybe, maybe where there are emotional scars and names that were put on your heart, you just need to say, God, I, I'm going to let you in to start the healing in my heart. And, and I want to challenge you in this. Often God will use people around you to help you walk that out. Through circles, through the church, through godly friendships. Don't be afraid of that. Maybe even through some godly counsel. And then the last one is this. God I'm going to let you define my future. Not some weird, preferred, perverted Nebo out there somewhere, but 
I'm going to let you define me. Father, I, I know this is so much. But I know you want us to have extraordinary relationships. Full joy. I wonder if you would right where you are just say, Holy Spirit, show me those things that are written on my heart that don't belong. say Holy Spirit I give you permission to begin to rewrite my breast piece of decision Show me the lie and help me replace it with your truth. And I want you to say this say, Thank you, Jesus. You said if we ask, you'd answer. So I'm believing. Come on, say, I'm believing that you are working, changing the names that don't belong. Hmm. Amen? Amen? Amen. Isn't he good? Isn't he good that he wants to rewrite? the names on our hearts. I just want to challenge you, if you need to pray with somebody, we'll, we're going to try to have people on the sides to pray with you, but uh, you guys go, and let's live out of the names He gave us, because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen? Amen. All right, let's do it.